However, when you sell high product stuff, you're going to limit the audience in which you can reach right away. And you're going to lose trust with a lot of people. Now you'll make a lot of money. And there's nothing wrong with courses, bigger pockets, sell stuff today. But he said, in the beginning, if you go out and just go start swinging, trying to sell a bunch of stuff, you're going to be capped. He said, however, if you can build a business in which millions of people know, like, and trust you, you can do anything you want later on. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, brother? Matt, dude, this is amazing. Thank you for having me. This is one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world. So it's an honor to be here. Dude, I was just kind of re uh, rehashing in my mind before we jumped on the show today, um, where you and I first met and just kind of seeing, you know, the, the journey that has unfolded for you. Uh, I went on your, your LinkedIn because I was, you know, looking to revisit the the bio and make sure that, you know, we say everything we always want to say about the person. And and obviously you and I have more than just, you know, one interaction on a piece of paper where, where we know each other. Um, real estate investor with 7,400 units, 650 million assets under management, best-selling author with over 1 million copies sold, founder of Open Door Capital, previous host of Bigger Pockets podcast, dad of two, and my favorite part, husband of one. <laughs> that is- Yeah, you act- know, my my- my wife didn't approve the uh, the two husband, the husband of two, of two so, yeah. right? I yeah, love how you had to, had to make sure down. you clarify that piece. But dude, I mean, it's it's just been unbelievable to see, um, you know, what you've done and how many lives you've impacted. One, I think obviously your your arena, right? Your sandbox that you've played in has been real estate, at least for how many people um, you've been able to touch. But then I look at now seeing this ripple effect of how many lives and and families and and future generations you're impacting, uh, you know, through this vehicle of real estate. Like, did you ever envision when you first started out? I remember some of your early stories when we were talking of you laying the flooring and you doing the paint, you buying your first single family, that it would look like this? Yeah, no, not not even remotely. Um, it's yeah, it's completely blown me away just how quick things really accelerated there, especially the last couple of years. Uh, but it relates back to something like when I when I think about why that is, like I went, I mean, basically it took me. I started real estate at twenty one. Uh, at thirty, I was a millionaire. I'm thirty six now, so thirty, I was a millionaire. And thirty two, at thirty two years old is roughly when I started Open Door Capital. Maybe thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. So when I started Open Door Capital, I only had like thirty five units by then. So like the other 7,300 and whatever, some all came in the past three years. Um, and, and so when I look at that, like it's crazy to think about, but it's also, there's that quote, I don't know who first said it, or maybe it was Tony Robbins or something like that, that said, if you want to make a million dollars, help a million people. And it's almost inevitable. And so when I look back, yeah, I mean, just really, it was just like 10 years of like writing and podcasting. When you look at that, the results, they do compound. It's like the compound effect, right? Yeah. Uh, it's almost like what in your life, if you did it every day for 10 years, like, like, what would you, ex- you know, what would you expect? It's like, nobody wakes up with a six pack and was like, Oh shoot, where'd this come from? Right. It's like, well, yeah, I, I the, 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 the growth in the last few years makes sense because of the 10 years I put in of education uh, before that. So yeah, it's just interesting to see like just the fruits of that come out, like 10 years of planting and the harvest now that I get to uh, start uh, harvesting. But you've obviously been super intentional about that along the way, right? Like just deposit, 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 deposit. And all of a sudden you look up and you're like, okay, now I actually have some some real, you know, 
uh, ability to withdraw and figure out what I want to go and invest that next, you know, uh, time, energy, and resource into like when, because that you, you talked about kind of the the three different phases and now entering this fourth one. And I'd love for people to kind of understand the relativity of how that might apply to their own journey and what that yeah. looks like and how that plays out. What are those four phases that you were mentioning a little bit earlier? Yeah. Ooh, and, and there's actually, yeah, I'll lay those out real quick right now. And it's actually interesting because it does apply to almost everybody. Right. So phase one is I, I call it kind of like the DIY landlord phase of Brandon and Heather. So Heather's my wife. And DIY, the first 10 years of our real estate from 21 to about 30, 31 was us doing everything ourselves. Uh, you know, we were laying the carpet, fixing the toilets, managing the tenants, everything. Just scrappy, right? No money. I was working at Cold Stone Creamery when we started, you know, scooping ice cream for people. And like, we were just scrappy getting it done. So that was like phase one, right? I got to like 30 some units. I uh, got kind of that level one financial freedom, right? Which is where you can pay your bills by the cash flow that comes in passively. And level one doesn't mean you're like out there buying a jet or you're buying the New York Jets, right? Like it's just like level one, like you're just paying your bills, right? But here's the lesson here is because I achieved level one, really level one financial freedom came about 27. I had enough money to pay my bills at about 27 years old. And that's when this unique opportunity came that was kind of a risk. Uh, it was a friend of mine had a small website called Bigger Pockets at the time. And he was looking for someone to help him edit blog posts. Well, I had just hit that financial freedom number. I quit my job. At the time, I was working at a bank, quit the job, and I was basically sitting on a couch watching TV when this opportunity to come help him volunteer basis for a while, and then eventually got paid to help this guy with a startup called Bigger Pockets. And so because of phase one, because I had level one financial freedom, I was able to take the risk, which led me to phase two, which was the years of Bigger Pockets. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. And when I think about like explosive income, that happened through bigger pockets, through writing the books and through being on the podcast. And I was kind of like their lead sales guy on the webinars for, for five, six, seven years. Uh, I don't know if I would have done that. I wouldn't have had the confidence to leave like a well-paying job to go with this risky startup had I not had that phase one financial freedom, which is 
Yeah. So people listening to this, like, don't worry about the, I'm going to build a $10 million business. I'm going to have, you know, buy a private jet. Like, how can you get that level one financial freedom? Because then you get to play in a different game. It's like Yasaki's cash flow game. You know, you're in the rat race, but then you get out of the rat race and you get into the real game of life, which is way more fun. Yeah. So you got through that first kind of tier where you 100% of your kind of passive income was funding at least, you know, taking care of the most important things, bills, mortgage, yeah. food, yep. all of that kind of stuff. And then you got into this, pl- this space where there's some creativity, right? There's some opportunity yeah. to really scale things around your passions and your purpose and what you're feeling fired up about instead of obligation. It's more about passion and intention and purpose. And so phase two was bigger pockets. And there was a lot that transpired between, you know, when you first started to when you left. Yeah. What was that yeah, journey that, like? I mean, that was like yeah. not too many people get to experience being on a rocket ship like Bigger Pockets, and you were front and center of that whole ecosystem. Yeah, it was it was the best experience like of my life in terms of like like the growth and knowledge that you go through. Because like, yeah, I mean, we it started it was Josh in his basement. Like that was it. it was Josh Dorkin in his basement. That was it. How'd you guys um, meet? By the way, I don't know if I've ever heard that story. Yeah. So we met actually, it's funny. I sent him an email. So when I got, when I quit my job and had that kind of level one financial freedom, I started a little like side blog called real estate in your twenties.com. It's actually still there. Real estate in your twenties. And, uh, I haven't touched it in 12 years now. Something like Is that. Still gen- but I started this little blog. I make like $19 a month off of a calculator. I saw <laughs> yeah, in there baby. and it still runs. Yeah. Passive income, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, which actually was funny because it kind of foreshadowed, foreshadowed, what bigger pockets then blew up their income and because they have the pro membership and the main value in the pro membership was the calculators that yeah. I helped. I took my calculator at $19 a sale, put it on bigger pockets and we started charging $19 a month for it. And, uh, and they built it in their, in their site. It wasn't just an Excel document, but anyway, that ended up blowing up bigger pockets to, I mean, tens of millions of dollars a year, uh, of revenue. But, um, yeah, it was cool because like neither Josh nor I knew anything about business. So Josh was a teacher before this, like he did special education at a high school. Uh, and, and then he would try to be an actor for a while at Hollywood and got on like Saturday Night Live a couple of times as an extra and stuff. But, and then I was coming from the world a little bit of like rental properties and then scooping ice cream and working as a teller at a bank, right? So neither of us knew anything about business. So uh, it, there were so many battles and challenges to go through in that, but that's what builds that character and the grit. I think that has benefited me the last, like the later, like kind of in phase three, which was learning all that, like learning how, how to write a good email. Like I had no idea. Right. So you go and like mm-hmm. watch a podcast or listen to a webinar on writing good email copy. And that's like, okay, well now I got that skill. And then it's like, well, how do you, you know, how do you build a relationship with people? How do you network? How do you do this and this and this and this? So yeah, it was really just almost 10 years of just continual, continually feeling like an idiot and then trying to feel less like an idiot. Or, what, yeah. what were you most grateful for? about what you learned and who you became mm. in bigger pockets. And what do you attribute that to? Yeah, uh, easy. Josh Dorkin taught me this. Josh Dorkin taught me this very early on. When I, very first conversation I ever had with him. So by the way, oh, I never fully finished that story. So uh, I started this little blog, right? Real Estate in the 20s. And then I asked Josh, I sent him an email, cold email and said, hey, I like your, your website. Can I write a guest post for you? And he just ignored me. And then like six months later, he actually reached out to me and was like, oh, hey, I missed this email. Sure. Why don't you write a post for me? So I wrote a post for him and that became a regular thing. 
Uh, then I became Facebook friends with him. And then one day he posted on his Facebook, uh, he was looking for a uh, somebody to help edit blog posts. So that's how that started. But Josh told me the very, very first conversation I ever had with him. I remember exactly where I was. I was in my crappy little like 97 Toyota Camry. In my, I had a 24-unit apartment complex. And I remember being parked in front of the dumpster. I remember everything about it. And I remember my phone ringing. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Josh Dorkin. Because ah, I knew he was going to call me because he wanted to talk about this whole blog post on a site thing. And I was like, oh, it's like the godfather of bigger pockets, right? <laughs> and I grabbed the phone and uh, I talked to him and he really said to me, he, he asked me, he said, so what are your plans? Like, what are you doing with this whole blog website thing? And I said, oh, I think I'll probably like create like a course, you know, and then sell like a, you know, maybe I'm like a, a mastermind or a course or something. And he said, Look, yeah, you could do that. And, and he said, however, when you sell high product stuff, you're going to limit the audience in which you can reach right away. In which, and you're going to lose trust with a lot of people. Now you'll make a lot of money and there's nothing wrong with courses, bigger pockets, sell stuff today. But he said, in the beginning, if you go out and just go start swinging, trying to sell a bunch of stuff, you're going to be capped. He said, however, if you can build, build a business in which millions of people know, like, and trust you, you can do anything you want later on. And so it was that lesson that if you build the audience first and you build people to know, like, and trust you at scale first, you can then monetize that a million different ways later on. And so like now I've proven that like, I mean, I have a coffee company, like I sell coffee. I've raised what a quarter billion dollars in, in my real estate fund. Like we've done all these things. Why? Because millions of people know, like, and trust me. So that was a lesson that will forever stick in my head is like, there's nothing wrong with monetizing, nothing wrong with courses and, and all that stuff, but finding ways to build like knowledge, knowledge, like, and trust at scale is the key to not just like making a million dollars, but making a billion dollars. What's one thing you wish you would have done differently while you were with Bigger Pockets? Ooh. That you kind of are like, oh man, like that. Not that it maybe yeah. keeps you up at night because I know you're a dude that doesn't live with a ton of regret. Um, but that yeah. being said, uh, I know you're a very strategic and smart guy and you're always looking to add value and, and squeeze you know, the juice out of everything that you possibly can. What's, what's one thing you feel like you might've left on the table? Yeah, that's easy too. Um, I, I am not good at pretty much anything. <laughs> what I mean by that, I'm like, so like my first job at Bigger Pockets, right? was like, I got to edit blog posts. I was like, I can edit blog posts. Sure. So I started doing that. I couldn't edit blog posts. I can barely spell. Right. And like, I'm not good at a lot of things. Now, uh, what I finally discovered after 10 years or nine and a half years of being at Bigger Pockets was that what I am good at is being a visionary of saying, this is what I see this amazing thing out there that this could be. I see what the pro membership could be. I see what the book publishing company could be. I see what real estate could be. I can see we could acquire these companies. But the problem is Josh was also a visionary. Mm. And, and I'm not a good integrator. And I didn't even know those terms. Now, they, they largely come from that book, Traction, which ironically is sitting here on my desk. Yeah, uh, Traction, Gino Wickman. He talks a lot about the integrator, which is the person who does the stuff. And the visionary, who's really good at coming up with the ideas, the, 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 the culture and like the big picture. I didn't realize the reason I struggled a lot. I mean, for years and years and years with getting stuff done is because that's not me. Like I don't get stuff done. Like, and I finally had to accept that, that I'm just not that good at that piece of it. I'm not good at sitting there and specking out like a Gantt chart on the next four months of progress that the developers have to do to get the project done. I just get really frustrated. I'm like, why is nobody working? And like, they just don't, they, they just don't seem to understand that like, they just got to understand what I'm thinking in my head and go do it. But people don't operate that way. So that was, that was, listen, I wish I would have learned earlier that I am not meant to be an integrator. I'm meant to be a visionary. I was meant to be a leader. And I wish I would have leaned into that. 
And I wish I would have built and helped build bigger pockets as a leader and visionary, not always a doer. Mm. Uh, and that would have been, that would have made a huge difference. But uh, it made a big difference at Open Door Capital because I learned that and then I went and applied it to a different company, my own. So Yeah, I mean, that that kind of leads into, you know, phase number three, right? You talked about phase one being the do-it-yourself phase, grinding, scrapping, yeah. right? Whatever you got to do to kind of unlock some free space mentally, physically in your world to go and, you know, pursue and follow passions. And then obviously that led to kind of building and taking your life, your income, your wealth, your impact to another level through bigger pockets, which really unlocked phase number three, which was open door capital. Talk a little bit more about how that whole transition opened up for you and how you leaned into that. Yeah. Yeah. So that phase started actually in a couple different parts here. And I'll tell the quick stories real quick. One, I had a buddy who's a Nashville Grammy winning music producer. He's got a studio and written all these big songs and won all these awards. And he's also a real estate guy. So he calls me or he emails me cold emails. And he's like, Hey, uh, you know, I, I run a music company and I record music and I've written all these songs and I'm a big deal. And uh, I heard you like music because uh, he had heard it on a podcast that I once played music. And he's like, I'll trade you a day in my studio in exchange for you teaching at my real estate meetup. He had a real estate meetup. And I'm like, shoot. Yeah. His name is Seth Mosley, by the way, he runs Full Circle Music. And uh, I'm like, sure, that, that sounds incredible. So I used to go to this Nashville studio uh, on real experience. First, I taught at his real estate class and met some cool people. Some I'm still friends with today. And uh, I go to a studio and we write a song and record it. And it was amazing. It was a cool song. I wrote it for my daughter and uh, it was about her, her birth. And stuff. it was cool. You can find it on YouTube if anybody really wants to listen to it. It's called Heartbeat by Brandon Turner it's on YouTube. Uh, but uh, what really blew me up that day or blew my world wide open is I saw something I'd never really seen before. And that was a small team of really, really smart, high achievers. Most of his team, there was like six or seven of them. Almost all of them had Grammys. They got there when they wanted to show up to work. They worked on meaningful things. They had fun doing it. They worked with each other collaboratively, but they also had this extreme ownership mentality. For lunch, they all just like had, had lunch together because they wanted to. After work, they all went out to eat together and just like hung out with their families. And I was like, oh, like that's possible. Like I could actually have work and like it not be a, like a difficult thing, which again goes back to the bigger pockets. I'm like trying to shove a round peg in a square hole at bigger pockets. Or just didn't fit right. And I wasn't in, I wasn't in Denver in person, so I didn't have the camaraderie. Yeah. And I was like, that, like that work life is possible. So that was the day that changed my life because I saw that was possible. And I said, I want that. I go home and like a week later, I go to a conference, a real estate conference, best ever. Uh, Joe Fairless put it on in Denver. Yeah. And I'm on stage looking out at this audience of like a thousand like real estate developers and syndicators and huge real estate investors. And I was like, I am the least qualified person in this room. Like, I am so not deserving to be here. And I'm on stage because I got a big mouth and I can sell tickets because I have a podcast, right? And I was like, this is ridiculous. I need to deserve to be here. So combining those two ideas together, I read this book, Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. Mm. I get on the airplane. I read that on the airplane ride back to Hawaii. And I landed with a full out vision. Like, it's actually on my wall right now. Like a big poster I drew up uh, as a newspaper article three years in the future. And it said, we have a thousand units. We've got six employees. We've got, uh, we've raised money from a hundred accredited investors. We've got this and that and this and that. And I landed, I showed my buddy Ryan. I'm like, this, this is what I'm going to build. And the first thing he said, he read it slowly and he looks up. He's like, I want to be a part of that, man. And that's like the greatest feeling in the world, right? When somebody validates, like they want to, they want to, like, oh, oh, it's amazing, man. So Ryan became my integrator. I was like, Ryan, go build it then. And he's like, all right. So he went and built it. And, uh, I got to be the visionary and I got to be the energy behind it. The same way 
in, in a very different scale. I'm not comparing myself to him at all, but the same way that Richard Branson is the energy behind the Virgin Empires. He only got like mm -hmm. 150 companies. He probably doesn't even know half the companies he owns, but he's the energy behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, I get to kind of be the energy at Open Door Capital, which is amazing. So anyway, that's kind of what started it was that, was that feeling of inadequacy on stage, thinking I want to deserve to be in this room. And then the thought, could I have people? And then like, you know, now today, like not today, today, but like within the past couple of days, actually, I've had my team members over at my house drinking beer out by the pool, hanging out at evening with our families because we want to. In fact, Ryan, who built the company with me, lives in my backyard. We see each other every single day. His wife is uh, kind of a part-time like nanny for us. Like we are doing life together. We're doing meaningful work with a small team. And of course, now the team's getting pretty big. It's like almost hundred people, but like the core team is still the same six, seven people. Uh, we're doing cool, meaningful work. We're hanging out in the evenings. We're like, we're like, I built exactly what I saw just yeah. in a different industry. So many people, they, they struggle with that, right? Of like, ah, I mean, it, it worked for him, but ah, just, right. There's all these mental and physical barriers yeah. and limitations that people struggle with. And I know you have a really cool, you know, framework for how you move to, you know, a lot of people think it's this, I got to build it from the ground up and I got to do everything. And then I got to delegate. And there's been this ideology of building businesses that don't get me wrong, have worked obviously for many decades and generations, but I've also seen people like you who've done what you've done over a very short period of time. And literally that piece of paper that you're talking about, Cameron Harold's vivid vision you got people to buy into that and collectively, collaboratively have covered so much ground. And it, and it, I know it's been work. Don't get me wrong. I mean, raising and doing what you guys have done doesn't happen on accident, but it doesn't have to be this struggle and this, this strife and, and the, the, I guess the negative side that so many people think has to be a part of the journey. You did it kind of what you shared with this mentality of doing it an outside in versus an inside out. Talk a little bit about that ideology and methodology as you went and approached building Open Door Capital. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when I started, uh, I I knew like I was already busy with bigger pockets. Like all these phases kind of blend into each other, right? So I was building Open Door Capital while working full time stuff at, at bigger pockets. Uh, and you know, I want to, I want to be respectful. I love bigger pockets. I own part of the company. I want, like, I'm, I'm all for them. So I want to like, I, I knew I couldn't work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week trying to build a real estate company and bigger pockets. It just wouldn't be fair to them. And I just, my, my wife would, you know, never see me. And I got mm -hmm. two little kids at home. So I said from the, from day one, I was like, well, what, how would I build this if I couldn't build this? Like it was, it was really like a question from the four hour work week, which that book is written. Like the four hour work week title comes from this. Uh, analogy, maybe you call it the story that Tim Ferriss says in the book where he says, if there was a gun to your head and someone said you could only work four hours a week, what would you be doing? What would those four hours look like? And so I built it with that in mind of like, if I only had to work a few hours a week, if I only could work a few hours a week, what would I do? And the answer is I have to build it from the outside in. I have to look and treat the business like it's an, an, like an object of itself, but I'm not the one building it. And so the framework that I kind of look at today and that I, I, I think a lot about is there's like these four phases or we'll call them like four levels. We'll call them four levels of leadership, right? So level one, uh, I would call like the DIY phase or the DIY level. It's a mindset, really. This is, all this is is a mindset, right? So the mindset of I can fix this, I can solve this problem. That's what a DIYer does. So mm -hmm. my first 10 years, I was just a DIYer. Like, like I want to buy a rental property. How am I going to find the money? How am I going to analyze a deal? How do I 
drive for dollars. How do I do all that, right? DIY. Nothing wrong with it, by the way, but just that's the approach. Yep. There's nothing, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with any of these mindsets, but every mindset has a limit. Mm. So how many houses can you flip if you're doing all the flipping yourself, all the work, all the construction, all everything, right? One, right? I've done it. I spent a whole year <laughs> flipping one house, right? It's an entire 12 months to flip one house. So uh, the next kind of mindset level people get to, I call it the project manager. It's where you start like hiring out the, the individual jobs. I hired my mother-in-law to answer phone calls from tenants because I just hated talking to tenants. So I, I offered her a few hundred bucks a month and she started answering the phones. Oh, glorious day. The best day of my life. Like it was like, <laughs> I don't have to talk to tenants anymore. Uh, but that was my entrance into being a, a project manager kind of mindset. It, it wasn't quite company. It was just like, I'm going to hire this person. I'm going to hire this person. So to put in the words like flipping, it would be like, I'm going to hire that contractor and that guy. I'm going to call the plumber. I'm going to show up, make sure they did their job right. The project manager is very much involved, but that mindset doesn't necessarily solve the problem by picking up a hammer uh, unless they have to. Then the third mindset, I would call like the COO. Or like somebody who's like an integrator kind of a role. Like I build a company. Like I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to build some VPs, get some director level maybe. I'm going to have my vision and I'm going to go build a company. And like the way that I almost symbolize that is like you are at the center. It's like the CEO or the COO, whatever. You're like the head. And then it's kind of a hub and spoke. You've got all these people that report to you and you're, you're not doing any of the work, but you're building the company. And this is what most entrepreneurs is that mindset that they, this is the last one they ever get to is yep. this one where they're just running the company and they're working 30, 40, 50 hours a week. Uh, maybe they're playing golf once in a while, but they are the CEO or the COO of their company, right? But then there's this fourth level. Uh, and this level is interesting. And it, the best way I could describe it is like the energy. I said that earlier. It's like the energy of a company. Uh, you could call it the brand of a company. You could call it, sometimes I call it the architect. Like you, you design the company from a far off thing. Like you paint it, mm -hmm. but somebody else builds it. And here's the key, right? The higher you go on those mindset levels, the less you have to work, but the more money you make, right? That's why the guy working McDonald's front line is a DIYer. He's doing the work. He's making $8 an hour while the guy that owns the company is out there on the golf course with his buddies. Uh, you make more money at the top. You work less at the top. And so I really focused on being that fourth level the brand or the energy. So I cast the vision, but I just hired one person, my COO who was Ryan at the time. And now it's a guy named Walker. Now Ryan's on the board. We kind of have a group board uh, vision kind of group. But uh, yeah, and then they were responsible. Like I didn't have to figure out how to hire the marketing person. They hired the marketing person. I didn't have to figure out how to underwrite a deal. They figured out who to hire to underwrite a deal, right? And now I try to learn those things. I like to be able to like kind of know what we're doing. But uh, yeah, and here's, 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 here's a secret of this whole thing. I'll pull it all together here. You do not have to progress from the bottom to the top. You can literally choose whatever level you want to start on. It's mindset. It's not action. It's mindset. It's how you solve problems. So if today you're going to go start a carpet business, you're going to go lay carpet at people's houses because you think carpet laying is the future in America. Great. What mindset do you want to approach that with? What questions are you going to be asking yourself? How to lay carpet? Are you going to be wondering how to get clients? Are you going to be wondering how to knee kick or how to stretch carpet? Are you going to be going to Home Depot? to go pick out the pad or are you going to go and hire your brother-in-law to go and install the carpet and you're going to get him the jobs lined up and he's going to go out and do the work. That's kind of the project manager. Or are you going to build a company and get a, a core team around you and they're going to go out and build a big carpet business with you? Or are you going to hire one person? You're going to hire that person or even better, you're going to buy a carpet laying business and you're going to be an investor in it. 
and you own it, but you're not working in it, right? So it's you get to choose which level you want to start at. So yeah. make a choice. Nothing wrong with them, but know where you're at. Well, I think so many people feel like there is a, a path or a journey that they have to go on in order to earn getting to one of those levels. When what I'm hearing you say is, it's like when you know the whole picture or you know the whole you know roadmap to the destination that you, and you have the ability to start where you want, you yeah. are the ultimate architect of where that beginning and end can look like. For the people that go, man, but what if I don't have all of this money to start at one yeah. level? You've heard this objective, you know, objection in so many different facets and contexts of business, of real estate investing. It's always the money objection. How do you help yes. someone get over that hump? Yeah. I mean, I had that too. When I started Opener Capital, I was like, well, I don't really have that much money. I was making pretty good money from bigger pockets and book sales and stuff. But, you know, I was trying to invest all that. So I was dumping everything yeah. I have into real estate. And so I actually built Opener Capital with no money down, just like I built most of my early real estate with no money down. Uh, I off, I brought in equity. Now that that you're trading something, right? Like I, you're trading a lot of future wealth. In fact, I had somebody once say some really wise advice. They said the the amount of equity that you give out at the beginning of your company is an inverse relation to your confidence in that business succeeding. Ooh, in other words, like okay. if you really believed you have a billion dollar business, why would you give 25% of the way to your first employee, right? But if you think you got a million dollar business, well, now it's probably worth giving 25% to your first employee, right? Yeah. So your vision will define how, how much equity you give out. But I still, I, had, I didn't even have the vision, right, for Open Door Capital. So when I started it, it was literally me and two other guys. It was me, Ryan, and one other partner who ended up not working out. Uh, not that he's a bad dude. He just, he just, he was, mm -hmm. he was really busy with an yeah. incredibly successful wholesaling business. But it was the three of us. And I was like, let's just do it third, third, third. You get a third, I get a third, you get a third. Like, what did that say about my vision or where that company could head? Mm. In, in my leadership skills there, I just, it was an easy answer. And so I spent several years clawing back equity. The one partner left, giving different people different equity. Even today, I only own just under 50, 50% of open door capital. Like all my like all my first people, I think I have like seven people who all have equity in the company. Everyone think 1%, 2%, 5%, a 10%, a 15 and a 20 or something like that are all like my team. I don't regret that. Like right. I'm only but I'm but that's how you build it with no money. I like, would say you would you have done money, would looking back would you have done it differently now? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast 
And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. You know, I don't think I would. It's like, it's different, right? I don't know if I would because I don't know. Like, I've got these people that are so loyal now. Yeah. Because they are all going to be multi, multi, multi-millionaires within a 10-year period. Some of them already are multi-millionaires just from the last three years from what mm-hmm. we're doing. Um, they've got, I've got tremendous loyalty because of that. And they work incredibly hard and I don't have to work very hard at all. Now, when we buy $10 billion of real estate, we turn that to $15 billion of real estate. And we end up with $5 billion in profit. My investors get three of that. I end up with two of that. And I now have to split a billion dollars with my team. You know, maybe I'll be like, oh, man, I gave away a <laughs> billion dollars in equity. But will I regret that? I don't think so. I don't think I, you will either. I don't think so either. Now, what I wish I would have done, and this is the advice I have people, I wish I would have spent more than five minutes thinking about equity before mm. giving it. I very much would just give equity on whims, in emotional conversations, in in high pressure situation, I'm in a bad way of my team. Just like they're asking, hey, like I really like to go from this percentage to this percentage. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. Like not really, I'm making multi-million dollar decisions just on a whim without any, without any consultation. In fact, I had a buddy recently, he called me out on this, uh, Elliot Smith. I'll give him a shout out. He, he, I was telling him about, well, we're raising all this money. We had to raise a hundred million dollars this summer. We had six apartment complexes all dropped in our lap at the same time. Had a hundred million dollars to raise. And it was a challenge. Like I never raised even close to that much in, in that amount of time. And I'm str- like, we're not, I mean, struggling is a good word. Like we're, we're fighting through it. We're getting there. We're getting better at our systems and, and our, we're doing webinars and doing some live stuff and doing all the things you do to raise money. Right. And I'm up in Coeur d'Alene at my, I bought a, bought a vacation house in Coeur d'Alene and I'm hanging out with my buddy Elliot and he, I'm telling him all the problems and all the things we're trying to figure out. And he says, well, Brandon, Ken McElroy is in town right now. And again, I knew that because I'd seen him at the thing. Ken McElroy, for those who don't know, is Robert Kiyosaki. He's like best friend. He wrote the ABCs of real estate investing. He's been syndicating about as long as I've been alive. Hmm. He's like the godfather of this business. One of my first real estate investing books I ever yeah. read. Me too. It was phenomenal. Changed my life. Like That was the book that changed my life and got me in the multifamily. He's, he's like, he's in town right now. He was actually at my house playing poker one night. Did you ask Ken for advice? And I was like, no, I don't. I'm not going to bother Ken with that. He's like, why not? Is it your ego that's stopping you or fear that's stopping you? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Why, why wouldn't I ask the guy who's the best person on the planet and he was at my house? Why didn't I ask him for advice? So I, I, he challenged me on that. So I call him up, uh, Ken, and I'm like, hey, you want to go lunch? Like, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's go to lunch. So we go to lunch with the wives. And that two-hour conversation was the most impactful two hours of my entire life. Like mm. in terms of like sheer, sheer change of business and great ideas and education and like teaching me like, like it was a, ma- it's like watching a master, like golfer, like golfing, right? It was like, I yeah. was just like a caddy and he was a master. It was so good. And all it took was me asking for a piece of advice. But to relate that back, right? When I started giving equity, did I ask a single person how to give equity? Did I call Josh? The guy who he'd been through that, right? Josh Dorkin built bigger pockets, gave a bunch of equity. Did I even ask him one time, hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. That's what I would take back. I don't regret it, 
but I wish I would have spent more than five minutes thinking about it. Mm, I got two two follow-up questions that come out of that. Number one, knowing how many smart people and conversations you've been in that have been impactful and life-changing, what were one of the two takeaways when you mm. were sitting and talking with Ken that really transformed yeah. you walking out of that lunch? Yeah, a couple of things. One, Ken doesn't sell. He doesn't sell property ever. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I never sell. I just hold forever. And I'm like, yeah, but that like your IRR would drop like drop every year, just get worse and worse and worse. He's like, Brandon, nobody, nobody cares about IRR. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that, yes, they do. All the syndicators, <laughs> we all talk about IRR. He's like, no one cares about IRR. They care about financial freedom. They care about their family. They care about their legacy. They care about all these other things, but it's not IRR. That's a nerdy thing you care about. <laughs> and I was like, no, man, you can't be right. He's like, he's like, no, nobody cares. He's like, unless you make them care. He's like, what people care about is like stability, right? So he, so he's like this. He said, he's like, so what I do is I just, or this, and it's tied in the second thing. He goes, you're also, you're just way too in depth and detailed. He goes, he goes, you know what I do when I raise money? He's like, I go and grab my phone. I set up my phone and I put up a whiteboard behind me. And I draw a picture of a house and I say, we're going to buy this apartment complex. Uh, rents are $800. It should be $1,200. Uh, we're going to buy it. We're going to make it $1,200. we are going to give you all the uh, cash flow and we refinance it. We'll split everything after that point. Uh, you should have most of your money back. We'll just hold it forever. And you just get infinite returns forever. Any questions? And everyone's like, nope, sounds good. Yes. And that's it. Like, that's his entire pitch. <laughs> and he's like, he raised $100 million recently, just like, just off like a whiteboard. He's like, you're just trying to get too fancy and trying to complicate things. So this goes back to the, the IRR thing, right? He's like, he's like, just give people like what they want, like give them a nice deal, give them, let them stay in it forever and, and make that happen. So I go to my Instagram and I'm like, this, he can't be right. This can't be right, right? So I post on my Instagram. I say, hey, I got two options for you all. For those people who would ever consider investing with my company, please take the following poll. A, would you rather have a much lower return but never have to worry about finding a deal again. And we just hold the thing forever. Eventually we refinance out uh, and your IRR is much lower. Or would you rather have me do a deal that I hold for between five and 10 years at a 15% IRR and, and explain what we do currently do, right? These two scenarios. Yep. 87% of people voted for option A. 87% of people would rather right. have a much lower return and just like keep it forever. So like, that's what we're going to be moving into probably in the next year is that. So that's two specific things that he taught me that like out of many. Brilliant. Of just like the forever yeah, just cash flow fund. Yeah, just a forever cash flow. So we're gonna launch a forever fund next uh next year, just a forever fund. And we're like, now hey, you, we just we're not gonna sell. So you talked a little bit about the uh decision process of you wishing you had a little bit more of a framework and tightening it up. I know Ray Dalio talks a lot about how when whether it's going through conflict, whether it's making decisions for you know his hedge fund. There's a, a decision-making matrix or a process, right? Talking about giving out equity or making decisions. Yeah. As you've learned some of those lessons, how have you crafted or tightened up how you discern what you give your time to, your money to, equity to? What is your process for making decisions look like? Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to open door capital, what we what we did over the years, this took a few years to get here, but we we've created a board of directors. So it's me, Brian Murray, who wrote a book called Crushing in Apartments and Commercial Real Estate. Very, very smart. Kind of like the wise mentor that everybody should have in their team, uh, whether they're paid on staff or not. But So me, Brian Murray, Ryan Murdoch, who was my first COO, lives in my uh, backyard in my uh, my ADU. 
And uh, and then Walker, my COO, he now runs the company. It's the four of us on the board. So all decisions now are made for Opener Capital. Everything is made, like important is made at that board level. So we meet once a week, sometimes once every other week if we're busy, but never more than like a week apart or you know a, a two week part. But uh, and all decisions get made there. We run on EOS, the system EOS, like yep. uh, from the book Traction. And so that's kind of like our L10 meeting. We just go through a whole list of stuff that we have to decide on and we make decisions as a group. And that got me out of, that gets me out of the emotional, like making decisions on a whim. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but when it comes to open door capital, they became team like advisor level decisions. Um, and in my own life, I actually have like what two co- two performance coaches right now. Uh, and then I try very much to make every decision with my wife in mind. Uh, like, yeah, talk about that a little bit, wife. right? You've built this amazing big life. You know, you've yeah. managed to keep a, a humble heart. You're constantly looking to serve other people. You know, how how do you continue to balance this ambition with this family life that I know is yeah. your everything with your wife and your two kids? Yeah. And man, this is like the hardest thing. I know this is something that you you I don't know if the struggle is the right word, but like you you deal with this as well, right? Like we are yep. both ambitious guys but we're both family guys. So how do you deal with that? Um, yep. But on one hand, right? I can only play Barbies for so long, right? <laughs> like I can only play Hot Wheels with my two-year-old like for so long and play Barbies with my six-year-old. Um, but like, I can't, like I can't, so I can't just sit in the house for nine hours a day and just play those toys, right? Yeah. Uh, my mind would just go to mush and I'd go crazy. Like I, I'm so thankful for women like my wife who can sit and play and teach and work with the kids for 15 hours straight every single day blows mm-hmm. my mind so thankful for that but so anyways so you got that yeah that problem right i can't sit there forever but at the same time like i got into real estate because i wanted to be a good father i wanted to be present i want to be at every ball game and every dance recital and every every everything right uh and then i love growth and business so balancing that here's what it becomes is usually when when i am too busy for my family when things are too busy and too chaotic it's because i'm being a bad leader Almost always, it's a, it's a case of bad leadership. Because uh, if I was a good leader, if I was the effective leader that I want to be, then I shouldn't have those problems. I should have, be a very balanced life. I should have an assistant, assistant that's making my, my schedule perfectly, nicely balanced. I should be always balancing, you know, going one way or another. Right. Sometimes there's phases, right? The last yep. month, it's been a big phase of money raising. But now, like next month, it's going to be a big phase of not money raising. I'm going to be hanging out with my family a lot more. We did a four-month trip uh, across the country and then over to Europe uh, back last like winter. Epic. Yeah, it was super cool. I'm not sure I would do it again. Four of us in a little Airstream trailer was Tough. an experience. But it's, uh, it's not as glamorous as everybody makes it out to be. Not as glamorous as, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. The funny thing about that is, like, you go, uh, like, you look on Google Maps or Apple Maps, and it says the destination from where you are in the morning to where you're trying to get to that night is two hours and 22 minutes away. All right, we'll be there by noon. Perfect. 9.30 that night, we're rolling into the campground. Uh-huh. It's dark. Right, it's raining, and the kids are crying, and they peed themselves. Like it's just like that. You're just like, this is not, this is not the same. Uh, everything just took longer. So anyway, so a couple of things. Number one, I schedule everything on my calendar for the family first. Mm-hmm. So they're the big rocks that all the little rocks and the sand and the water have to fit around. Yep. So family stuff like date night with my wife, it's scheduled first. Um, dates with the kids, I try to do like weekly things with the kids. I don't always hit it right, uh, but I try to hit it every week. Uh, things like church that's like on there, like those big rocks get plugged in first. And then I make my team try to fill around those. I even block just huge chunk of time. I just say like, Brandon's uh, doing creative work. 
Mm-hmm. I have nothing in mind for creative work. I just know I need that space so somebody doesn't put something on my calendar. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times I just end up like actually this afternoon. I mean, right now I'm recording this. It's 1230 uh, Hawaiian time where I am. And I have nothing in my calendar the rest of the day. That's beautiful. Sorry. Oh, it's going to be a glorious we'll, day. We'll talk, uh, talk about that, that, yeah. that creative time because I think that's so important. I've got a ton mm-hmm. of friends that are just, it feels like for many people outside looking in, oh my gosh, they must be so busy. They don't have yeah. time for anything. And really, they yeah. do a really great job of creating space to do nothing, which is really where their creative juices and the fun and the, you know, the, um, the time that you find to elevate your mindset and your spirit and your happiness and your fulfillment is what, so like how, what does that look like for you? Cause yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your, your content and and how your community and your following has really grown, but like, what does that alone time look like for you and that creative time look like? Yeah. So, uh, I'm one of those guys that I, I'm, I lie to myself constantly. I lie to myself <laughs> constantly, right? I will put something on my calendar like quiet time at the beach, right? I live like a half mile from the ocean. I can go sit at the beach anytime and grab a pen and paper and like journal and all that stuff. I won't do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I just won't do it, right? I lie to myself. I put, my, I put other things on my calendar. Like I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna go to jujitsu. I'm gonna do all the things that I wanna do and then I just don't do it. Uh, I, I, just, I just lie to myself constantly. So I had to find ways to get over that, to hack that problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I typically do it by obligating myself to other people, in which case I don't want to disappoint them. I'm a high eye on the disc profile. I like people liking me. I don't want to disappoint them. So when Jerry, my jujitsu instructor, shows up at my house with his big, huge mat, and he's like, all right, I'm here. Like, what am I going to do? Say, no, Jerry, sorry, I'm busy watching TikTok videos. Like, of course <laughs> I go down and do it, right? Yeah. So the thing that I was struggling with for a long time is like that thinking time, that open like amount of time where I'm just thinking. Like when you get in an airplane and you your computer dies and you got no Wi-Fi and mm-hmm. you got no screens like on the thing, you're like, oh no. Like those are the such amazing, powerful moments, especially so for entrepreneurs, right? So I thought, how do I obligate myself to this? And I did it in the best way possible. I love this. Uh, I get a weekly 90-minute massage at my house, like on my like lanai, which is like a front porch here in Hawaii, like ocean view, breeze coming in, like the masseuse from like the Four Seasons Hotel or whatever, like she comes over to my house. And does a 90-minute massage. And it is by far the most productive 90 minutes of my week. Mm. Because it forces me to have no phone, to have no kids, to have no anything. It's just, it's, it happens. I've hacked this time so that it has to actually happen. Now, she's been gone for a month and it's been horrible. So <laughs> she comes back next week. Glorious. Uh, and so like, that's one, that's one way I force that creative time, that thinking time. Uh, and I typically, I will always throw like a, a pen and paper underneath the, the desk too. And I'll like, like, oh, that's a really good idea. So many of my just ideas and like problem solving have happened in those moments. And I don't go in trying to solve a problem. Right. It's just when your brain is given moments to just be bored and to rest, that's when the magic comes out. Mm. Uh, and I think everyone listening can be like, oh yeah, that's happened to me, me too. So I'm just not very intentional about creating those moments of boredom. Yeah, so, especially in today's crazy world where a million things yeah. are getting thrown at you from so many uh-huh. different vehicles. Talk about your content machine. I know you mm-hmm. kind of gamified this a little bit, right? You made some challenges with Investor Girl Brit. You guys yeah. you know, had this uh, this kind of healthy camaraderie, but competition. What has been yeah. the purpose behind? Obviously, you had a massive following on bigger pockets and just constantly adding value, value, jab, jab, jab. 
Um, but, but talk about a little bit about your strategy and what does that framework and that process look like for you in terms of content creation and distribution? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge like Instagram, like social media nerd. Like I like Instagram better than anything else, but I, I try to play with them all. Uh, and I do it. I mean, one, it's a good way to kill time, right? And I find myself watching, you know, stupid videos way too long on TikTok or Instagram, right? Yeah. But like anybody else does. But it really is. I believe like social media is perhaps the greatest way to build that no like trust like that the yes. world has ever seen. Like yeah. you get millions of people to like you. I once had a guy say that he invested in Opener Capital because of how I talk about my wife on my Instagram. Like that's why he, does that even make any logical sense? Like that has nothing to do with returns. Where's IRR in that, right? Like what, like it's none of that. He likes me. The guy yeah. likes me because of how I talk about my wife and they, the way he's, they see the way that I deal with my kids and they see all that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, made a big impact there. Um, just, just being focused on like intentional about growing that. And one of the ways I did it, yeah, I, I competed with Investor Girl Brit. Uh, we've known each other for a number of years now. So we said we competed to 100,000, then to 200,000. Uh, and she beat me both times. Uh, <laughs> I will put this on record as I am now currently far ahead of her. I just crossed 300. She's still sitting at like 250. So um, just putting that out there that I'm better take than the best girl Brett right now. Yeah, take that, Brett. So she just got a video with a million views. I haven't gotten that yet. So whatever. But no, that made it a lot of fun. Uh, and I do it with other friends of mine too. Like we'll just kind of like challenge stuff. Uh, and how do and, you kind of set up that product or production yeah. framework? What it, what does it look like in terms of how do you come up with an idea? How do you produce it? Yeah. When do you decide to put it out? Yeah, great questions. Um, so tip right now, I am way more passive with it than I normally am. And what I mean by that, than I should be, I should say. So what I mean by that is right now, as I'm doing this conversation with you, I have my QuickTime open on my Mac. And it's recording me in high def, high quality, real good value, right? As soon as we're done with this call, I'm going to take that. I'm going to shrink it using a program called Handbrake. It's a free program. And it shrinks it down much smaller. And uh, it then uh, I upload it to Google Drive. At that point, I have a virtual assistant uh, in the Philippines who's awesome. Uh, what up, MJ? And he takes it and he watches it. He knows, he's been doing it now for a year. He knows what people like on my stuff. He'll carve it up into little pieces and he'll post it for me on my Instagram. Uh, and so that's worked out really, really well. Now, the reason I say that I'm kind of lazy about it and I need to be less lazy about it. There is a trick to social media. There are tricks to social media using like psychology and sales that I am not thinking about when I'm talking with you. For example, mm -hmm. if I'm, if I really want a video to go well on Instagram, here's how the videos, I'm going to script it. It's going to say something like this. Hey, listen, there are three tips that will save you over a million dollars in your lifetime. The last one might save you 10. Let me get into it. My name is Brandon Turner, right? Like that, that I just yeah. opened up several psychological little tricks there, right? To get you yeah. to watch. I started with that little, little, little thing. I made something kind of scary. Uh, I gave you a big promise, but you got to listen to the end to get there. I'm never thinking of that. So how I like to do it is actually to sit down and think through like, what's going to help people? What do people want? What's going to help them, right? A lot of people make social media about themselves. It's not, it's about, it's about the audience. Yeah. Social media, you're not telling your story, you're telling their story. Right. So I'm going to like start with that in mind. I'm going to figure out what that hook is. How do I get them to stay through the entire end? Then I will script the entire thing out. I will write it out and script it word for word. Uh, I like Alex Hermosi's advice I once read. He's a, a, a internet marketer guy. I really like he's, yeah, right? he's, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's like fire on fire right now. So I yeah. like his methodology. He said he basically writes a tweet. So he writes a tweet. So it's 140 whatever characters. So it's pretty short. Uh, and then that becomes his basically his script. 
So then he's just reading his tweet is all he basically does. And he's blowing up, right? So I do similar. I just write a script, make it sure it has all the right psychological hooks in it. Takes maybe 30 minutes to write that script, maybe 20 if I'm, if I'm feeling really ambitious and quick. And then I literally put it on a teleprompter. I am looking at a teleprompter right now. In fact, my camera's permanently hooked up at a teleprompter. Do you have that too? I'm, I'm yeah. looking, looking yeah. at yeah. mine right Yeah, now. my camera's running through my teleprompter. So at any yep. point, I can grab this phone, I can set it right there, and yep. I can record a video using QuickTime on my computer, and I upload a Google Drive, it's done. Now, I only do one of those videos maybe once every three weeks right now. Next year, I'm going to hit one of those every day. Like mm. one a day. That's what I want to do. And I think that's what it takes to really, really like, I mean, like viral-wise, because only one out of 100 posts are going to go viral mm-hmm. uh, if you do a good job at them. So, yeah, that's amazing, that's dude. What I, do. I love it. So let, let's, let's wrap up on phase number four. DIY number one, bigger pockets number two, open yep. door capital, $15 billion in real estate is the goal. You're obviously well on your way to that. What's, once you have that amount of wealth, you've accumulated and built something that big, that amazing, like, yeah. well, what's next? What do, you, what do you do after that? Yeah, man. Yeah, I was on this, I was on this entrepreneurial retreat. It was like camp. Like uh, like a couple weeks ago, up at a campground on top of this mountain, uh, with a bunch of really cool, like kind of spiritual entrepreneurs, people that are like uh, faith based entrepreneurs. Anyway, and like I heard Tim Tebow was there. He, I mean, he spoke at it, and that whole event just changed my mindset so much because I just realized like I have enough. I've got a really, I got enough right now. I make enough money, and I've got crazy wealth down the road, which I plan to give it all away uh, eventually. But I started thinking, how can I use my skill set? Like all the stuff we talked about earlier, all my ten years of bigger pockets. All my now three or four years now of open door capital and even the DIY phase. How do I use these three phases to, to save people, to, to change people's lives, to feed the hungry, to care for the wid- widows and the orphans and uh, those people being human trafficked and all that. And can I do that? So phase four very much is going to be about building a business that gives back to that. So um, it's still in the works right now. Hopefully it'll launch something maybe in the next year. Uh, but I got a lot of, a lot of, stuff there. And I'm trying to take my buddy Elliot's advice as I'm asking a lot of my friends and, and people who are super good at this stuff, what they would do. And I'm trying to actually tackle it right from the beginning is how do I build this massive business that's going to be all for good? How do I build it from the outside in? And how do I build it with the right people in the right places right from the start so I can really make an impact on the world? So that's phase four. Dude. I am uh, I'm inspired. I got tons of love for you, what you're doing you're doing it with uh you're just you're an amazing leader bro and uh the real estate community is lucky to have you but more importantly the world is lucky to have leaders like you so i know a lot of people are going to listen to this episode and go okay i gotta follow brandon i gotta you know check out his books i gotta see what else he's got going on i want to know what this next you know phase of giving back is going to look like and and following your journey where's the best place for him to do that yeah, if you're a social media nerd like me, uh, Instagram is my like jam. It's Beardy Brandon, Beard with a Y at the end, Beardy Brandon. And uh, you can also go to BeardyBrandon.com. I have a text message newsletter that goes out every Wednesday uh, or Thursday if I'm delayed. Uh, so it just goes out with like books that I'm reading and lessons that I'm learning and mistakes I'm making. And I just kind of write this quick little text message email or text message newsletter every week. And that's at BeardyBrandon.com. Brandon Turner, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely 
transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.